بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين tonight as we uh, get to just number three para number three the the first signature ayah you can say that we come across is only a few ayahs a few verses into the juz itself and this is none other than ayatul kursi and the prophet والسلام, described ayatul kursi as the greatest ayah in the entire quran and in connection with this ayah the prophet وسلم, that whoever recites this ayah whoever reads this ayah after each of their five daily prayers then the only thing between them and paradise is death so the Prophet is teaching us that by connecting with this ayah after each of the obligatory prayers, now once in a while do we all get busy and we have to rush to something else or you know, we forget that there's food on the stove or you know, our kid starts crying, whatever it may be. Of course that happens to all of us at different points in time. The, the general idea though is to have that habit going. That's what the Prophet is teaching us and this is a beautiful example of another teaching of the Prophet in which he taught us that the deeds most beloved to Allah are those that are done consistently even if they're small. If you think about the amount of time that it takes to read or recite Ayatul Kursi and if that's difficult for someone, you can listen to it. Right? You can, the idea is to just connect with it slowly and steadily because by doing so, that's how we're going to win the race, essentially. The Prophet taught us that the deeds most beloved to Allah are those done consistently, even if they're small. If you look at how long it takes to recite Ayatul Kursi, it's not that long. Depending on the person, it may take on average maybe 30 seconds, maybe a minute, if someone really wants to take their time. The point is it's not reading all of Surah Al-Baqarah after every prayer, and then the result is you end up in Jannah forever and ever and ever, and once you're in Jannah, you're not going anywhere. Look at the beautiful practicality from the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. Just invest a little bit of time, but the key ingredient is consistency. So if someone does that consistently, then they're guaranteed to enter Jannah. And one of the secrets within this teaching of the Prophet ﷺ, that whoever does that, whoever recites Ayatul Kursi after each of their five daily prayers, slowly but surely in other areas of their lives, they're going to find their affairs being cleaned up little by little by little. So it's not just you pray, read Ayatul Kursi, and then do whatever you want, you're going to end up in Jannah. Within the heart of the person, they're going to start gravitating more and more and more towards doing more and more and more good, thus resulting in them leading a life of a person who will end up in Jannah. So it's not just an isolated practice, but they're going to find themselves reflecting more about where are they making their money and where are they spending it? Who are they spending their time with? How is their connection with the Qur'an? How much sadaqah are they giving? It may start with this practice, the bare minimum of the five daily prayers per day, and then you couple those prayers with this ayah, so many, it's like a domino effect, so many other positive things are going to start adjusting on their own seemingly in your life and especially in your heart. The Prophet also taught us والسلام, in connection with Ayatul Kursi, a lot of people have a lot of questions, understandably so, regarding, uh, you know, how can I protect myself? Is there some sort of special formula, some special ta'weez or this, that or the other? The Prophet himself taught us والسلام, regarding Ayatul Kursi, that whoever recites it, whoever reads it in the morning, then they're protected until evening, especially from shayateen. 
And whoever recites it in the evening, then they're protected until morning. So again, it doesn't take that long to recite it. It doesn't take that long to say to connect with it. But by doing so, if you think about it, if you're already reciting it or reading it after the five daily prayers, you don't have to recite it twice after Fajr in order to check both boxes of reciting it after your five daily prayers and then also wanting that invisible shield from Allah Azza wa Jal during the day. You just recite it one time after Fajr, you're cashing in on both benefits. You recite it one time after Asr or Maghrib, you're cashing in on both benefits for protection during the evening. So it's, it's, th- these are just a few snippets that indicate the greatness of this ayah and different ways that we can all connect with it. And if you look at the ayah itself, it focuses entirely on Tawheed, on La ilaha illallah. It focuses entirely on who Allah is. The Prophet ﷺ, think about it, if there are over 6,000 ayat in the Qur'an. And the one the Prophet specified, the greatest ayah of them all, he didn't pick something that, that was legal in nature. He did not pick something that was political in nature. He picked something that focused on Allah Azza wa Jal. That focused on the essence of La ilaha illallah. All of Ayatul Kursi, through all nine or ten sentences, depending on how you break it down, it's entirely focused on Allah Azza wa Jal. So let me take a step back and reflect who, who am I worshipping? What is my understanding of who Allah is and who Allah is not? I mention that because a lot of people, especially a lot of our youth, unfortunately, the way they're taught about who Allah is, they're only taught haram, haram, haram. They're only taught, you know, fear Allah, fear Allah, fear Allah. And then later on, when they start to discover their deen for themselves and they come across how merciful and forgiving Allah is, to them it almost feels like a different religion than what they were taught growing up. So we have to ask ourselves, what is our understanding of Allah? And then how are we teaching our kids who Allah is? Are we teaching them how loving Allah is, how forgiving Allah is, how merciful, how generous, how kind, how compassionate? And it's not just about teaching them the theory of who Allah is, but the whole point of us learning about the names of Allah Azza wa is for us to embody them within our own capacity. So if we want to teach our kids about how generous Allah is, let us show them our generosity. If we want to teach them about how merciful Allah is, we should be transformed by our understanding of His names, Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim, and we should show them what it means for us to be merciful towards them. When we start to do that, then we're going to find our youth loving Islam more and more and more and gravitating towards it more and more and more. Just like the Sahaba with the Prophet ﷺ. We may not realize it, but by far and large, this deen was carried on the shoulders of young people. On the shoulders of young people. Sayyidina Ali is 10 years old when he accepts Islam in Mecca at the very beginning. Way, way before Medina was even close to happening. Meaning he didn't wait until now the Muslims, they had some influence, they had some power. Now the Prophet was head of state. Early on, because he knew the character of the Prophet ﷺ. So when the Prophet says, La ilaha illallah, he believes in it immediately. Because he, he, saw through the, in, he saw in the character of the Prophet, through the example of the Prophet ﷺ, the meaning of La ilaha illallah. So it, it was something much more than theory, it was very practical. Later in this juz, and you find this immediately after Ayatul Kursi. So you have, right before Ayatul Kursi, Allah mentions charity. Ayatul Kursi, La ikrahi fiddin. 
الله ولي الذين آمنوا ألم ترى إلى الذي حاج إبراهيم أو كالذي مر على قرية وهي خاوية على عروشها You have a few ayat after ayat al-kursi and it goes straight back to charity and you find the signature ayat that whoever gives anything, anything, a kernel in the path of Allah Azza wa Jal then Allah will give them in return seven ears of grain each of them filled with a hundred kernels. The simple math is you give one, Allah gives you seven hundred. This is in general. Now, Multiply that even more in the blessed month of Ramadan. So we should feel inspired when we connect with this juz, when we hear these ayat, you know what, let me give some charity today, let me give some charity tonight. I shouldn't have to wait for a fundraiser to give something to my masjid, to give something to a noble cause. It should be within, built into my relationship with the Qur'an. When I come across these types of ayat, you know, sometimes I should pause my reading or my listening or my engagement with the Qur'an Sometimes I should pause and actually go and give sadaqah. To actually take the theory and put it into practice. To actually take these ideas and to live them. That's where we find the sweetness of the Qur'an, the fruit of the Qur'an. So when we come across these ayat focusing on charity, they should be transformative for us. If there was an ATM machine outside anywhere, and if there was this sign that, you know, insert $1 and you'll get $700 in return. And let's say someone at first, they're like, yeah, right, that sounds too good to be true. Let's say they go, they take a dollar bill, they put in half-heartedly, and they're like, okay, yeah, well, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. They put in one dollar, they get seven crisp hundred-dollar bills in return. First of all, they're going to be in shock. Wow, this is real. This is, this is not make-believe. It sounded too good to be true, but this is amazing. Wait, is it, what if I put in a hundred dollars? Am I going to get 700 in return? The answer is yes. Because Allah gave us the formula, however much you give, you'll get so much more in return. So we want to be motivated by this to give and to not necessarily wait to be reminded to give. Because Allah Himself is reminding us right here in the Qur'an. At the end of Surah Al-Baqarah, we find the greatest pair of ayat in the Qur'an. The last two ayahs of Surah Al-Baqarah. Beginning with Aman al rasulu and the Prophet taught us that whoever recites these every night, whoever recites these at night, then they'll suffice for them. Suffice in terms of what? In terms of protection. Some say it'll suffice in terms of Qiyamul Layl. The point though is that these two ayat are very special ayat. Why are they so special? Let me take a little bit of time to learn. Okay, what does Allah say in these two ayat? In these two these two verses, the last two at the end of Surah Al-Baqarah. After this, in this juz, in Surah Ali Imran, we come across very powerful stories in relation to the, the births, the birth stories of three very significant individuals in human history. The first that's mentioned is the birth of Sayyidah Maryam. And you look at the, 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 the secrets, subhanAllah, that are contained within having a sincere intention that's between you and Allah. Her mother made an oath, a promise to Allah Azza wa Jal when she was pregnant that this child is going to serve your deen. And that's exactly what happened. Her intention was, I want to raise my child to be a righteous child. And look at who that child became, Sayyidah Maryam. And then who did she give birth to? Prophet Isa salam. If you look at it in order, it's interesting. First, Sayyidah Maryam, the, her birth story is mentioned. And then the story of uh, Sayyidina Zakaria, her uncle, who was so... Because she was born as an orphan. Her father passed away before she was born. Imran passed away before, before she was born. So there was this competition among some of the, 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 the men in their community. They wanted the honor to take care of 
to take care of her as a child. And that responsibility fell on her uncle, Sayyidina Zakariya And he was so impressed by her, he was so wowed by her piety, her heart, her taqwa, that he ended up asking Allah for a child. And the, the texture of his request, the feeling is, he's asking Allah for a child explicitly, but implicitly you can tell that he kind of wants a daughter like her. Allah gave him a son. Allah gave him Prophet Yahya this miraculous birth. And then after that, you have the miraculous birth story of Prophet Isa So we should connect with these examples and these figures from the Islamic side of things so we can understand our own tradition. And then the last thing I'll mention all the way at the end of this juz, going back to charity, right? This juz, this para ends with the beautiful ayah, لَن تَنَالُوا الْبِرَّ حَتَّى تُنْفِقُوا مِمَّا تُحِبُّونَ That you are not truly righteous. Allah is saying this Himself. So Allah is telling us that you are not truly righteous in my eyes until and unless you're willing to give something, not everything, something from what you love. That may be different for different people. But the point is, Allah is giving us the, the, the default formula. Give something from what you love, because by doing so, you're showing Allah that you love Him more than whatever it is that He's given you. Anything that we have is from Allah, it's not from ourselves. So if we're showing Allah that we're willing to give something from what we love, a little bit, a portion of it, Allah is saying, this is a real sign of bir. This is a real sign of piety and righteousness in my eyes. We ask Allah to make us from among the charitable. We ask Allah to guide us and for, forgive us. We ask Allah to accept all of our efforts in general, especially in this blessed month. Amin Rabbil Alameen. Subhana Rabbika Rabbil Azzati Amma Yasifun. Wassalamu Alaikum Warahmatullahi Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Yes, sir. Prayer times. Tomorrow, Fajr will be at 5.45 and Aisha will be at 9.15. Jazakum Khair. Please download the app. Minbar, M-I-N-B-R. And you can stay up to date with uh, prayer updates, inshallah. Jazakum khair.